0: Cameron and Jake are lifelong friends that love video games, movies, and generally all of nerd culture. Very original, right? Jake, that's
1: me, has recently achieved a dream of mine to move to Japan, so Cameron and I stay
0: connected with this podcast. Each episode, you'll join us as we take a nostalgic look back at the culture that we so love. This is Region Unlocked.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Region Unlocked, the awesome podcast where Cameron and I talk about the amazingness of video games and nostalgia, which is something that you must love because you're listening to us right now. How's it going, Cameron?
0: It is fantastic.
1: Excellent to hear. It's going okay over here in Tokyo as well. It was raining earlier, but now it's all sunny. Uh, How are things going in Indiana for you?
0: Um, Today was also pretty rainy, and then the day ended sunny, but now it is not sunny. It is very dark outside, but I had a good day. What I do? I played more Horizon Zero Dawn because that game is fantastic. That it is, and got prepared to uh to talk to you about some excellent games this week. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I kind of
1: didn't do much today except uh, this right now because I just woke up. <laughs> good That's point. The, um, extent of it right now it's rather early in the morning here so anyway glad to hear that things are going well for the most part yeah Um, (laughs) yeah
0: nothing really new to share um anyway so friends as you know we are currently wrapping up our time our our wonderful time with the nintendo 64 and uh, we've spent these past few episodes talking about some great gems that didn't get their own full episodes, but you know what? I think these this episode format we've been doing has been working really well, and I enjoy it. Yeah, me too. It's been working well for me too, and hopefully the listeners. <laughs> hopefully. So last week, we what did we cover? We covered Star Fox and Yoshi's Story, which was a yes. great time. And this week, we have two more, which I'm sure you could figure out by the title of this episode— But Jake, I wanted to quickly bring up Glover because I was just listening to episode 10 and I said, hey, we're going to talk about Glover later, and then we never talked about it.
1: So real
0: quick, I want to talk about Glover because I think this was important to both of us.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I got to hand it to you for thinking of that. I'm
0: I'm trying to think of a glove pun, but... (laughs) Nothing's coming out. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so Glover is a very weird game where a wizard... Oh, man, it's been a while since I've played this. A wizard has wizard two white gloves. Beard. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> One is Glover. And what's the evil glove's name? Evil glove's name is Cross Stitch. That's very evil sounding. Yes. But uh, the whole point of this game is to move a ball... From one end of the level to the other, essentially. Yep. And that's pretty much it. And as I was saying last time we talked about this, I had a huge problem with this game because it would not save. Hmm. I, I've played the first like two levels of this game over and over and over and over. But I was not great at it. You were good at it. And so you would come over and you would play my game for me and I would just watch. And <laughs> then you'd leave and the next day I'd try to get on and the game would be erased and i don't know why it always made me so sad because what i really liked about this game is that the hub world starts out dark and eerie, but the more you progress the more happy and sunny it becomes and i just always really like i like games that do that where like just the hub world changes over time based on your progress yes i remember it was like oh i'm gonna go get on and i'm gonna go see that chicken on the swing (laughs) <laughs> um, who, who like farts as he's swinging back and forth yeah, yeah he, he farts out cheat codes Ah, and then uh he would be gone and i'd be devastated yep sad day
1: <laughs> but still i mean a great day actually because the day gets progressively better each time you beat a level true so talk about a unique concept though
0: it but really isn't that,
1: is i mean i wish they could have done more with that and they were planning a sequel but it was ultimately scrapped i don't know why but sad day i don't think the game sold super well i think it was more of a sleeper hit yeah but um yeah i really liked that game there were reports though multiple times from different people of you know corrupted file issues in erasing games and stuff like that so you weren't alone unfortunately about that i'm very sorry to hear oh well i lost that's, the that's... game anyway so yeah <laughs> sad day
0: but yeah, that that's pretty much it. I just I I told you we were gonna talk about Glover, so we talked about Glover. That's and we had a ball doing it. We had a ball team. and then lost the ball. Yeah. Or, and then Glover or goes, dropped the ah. ball.
1: <laughs> or popped it. Sometimes it pops.
0: Yes, yeah, depends on what ball. Oh yeah, that's the fun thing. So you can transform it into like a bowling ball, a bouncy ball, a ball bearing, and then yep. a crystal. Was it Yes. Was that it?
1: That was it. Well you could also get the super ball. But that was only via cheat code and it was like the size of the ball bearing, but it bounced like three times higher than the regular ball. It was invincible and it was awesome, but it was so bouncy that it often got lost because it (laughs) just bounced away. Okay. Anyway, that was, that's Glover. Isn't that just like every kid's uh, experience though? going to a friend's house and having your friend beat it because you can't and then (laughs) like vice versa pay back the favor later yeah i mean that was like a whole culture we had as kids it seems like
0: yeah (laughs) i miss those days
1: but that's why we're being nostalgic yes that's what we we can do this so
0: we can talk about them all right well let's go ahead and hit our first game which is goldeneye
1: GoldenEye 007, the first-person shooter of first-person shooters. Is it, I love this game.
0: Maybe on the N64, <laughs> sure.
1: On the N64, yes, there are a lot of first-person shooters before and after this, but a lot of people consider this a favorite of theirs, and a lot of people have some super-fond and not-so-fond memories of it, and regardless of whether or not you like it, you've probably heard of GoldenEye 64. Yeah, because it uh, was like
0: the first one to do it, well enough on a console yes before yeah, that it, 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 first person shooters were relegated to pc
1: yeah more or less that was uh, the gist of it for the most part it refined the genre of first person shooters which is why it was so popular yeah um, regardless of how you feel about it which i've got positive feelings because i played it a lot and had some fun with my friends uh what about you cameron what kind of memories pop up when you think of golden i007 uh
0: very very few um i never played this much so i had a friend who owned it and he would bring it over sometimes this is the same friend who would uh take the cartridge away after we've played it too long <laughs> and and this was probably one of the games that he took away yeah. but i really just remember watching him play it and yeah i do remember everyone's faces looked very funny because they were like <laughs> uh, polygonal wraps. Of the yeah. actual actor's face. Yeah. I remember he was going through <laughs> this level and there's a guy he had to find, like, hidden in a, I don't know, like a railroad car or a storage container or something. Yes. And he turns the corner and sees the guy standing there and just goes, ah! and shoots him. And you, he actually died. That was an NPC that you needed to talk to, but you could also <laughs> actually kill him and realized he couldn't progress from that point. yeah <laughs> Other than that, wow. he brought it over <laughs> for a while until eventually my mom was just like, "No, you're not playing that anymore. No more shooting games." Yeah, which I kind of get because of the blood running down the screen when you yes. die like that. That's pretty violent, but it's a, a yeah. James Bond staple. But mm-hmm. other than that, I played it again in college, and I told this story a while ago on the podcast. Just I had this roommate who he's like, "Hey, come play." Goldeneye with me and I'm like okay we'll play and then he would just put it on a, a level that he knew in and out and then only landmines and would just lay the whole level with landmines and then just sit in the corner and watch our screens and blow us up and it's like yep this is so fun I'm so glad we did this and then we'd quit and like, you guys never want to play Goldeneye with me it's like this isn't plain. It's just you watching our screens as we try to learn this game we never played, and because of that, I never touched it again. Oh my gosh, that's one thing. Flexing with a video game like that
1: can really turn other players off, no pun intended, oh, I but know. that's just the way it is. you'd like... always
0: feel like, I'm so, I'm so good at GoldenEye. It's like, no you're not! You just cheat! You're just being a jerk,
1: man. <laughs> this is no fun, that's why it's no fun. So, GoldenEye... Uh, This was a game also that I played rather undercover, the irony of it all, but um, I was not allowed to play it. It was too violent. (laughs) And I think that's the stories of many people that I've talked to, but I would still find ways to play at friends' houses. And uh, many years later, actually, um, way after the N64 was uh, not necessarily popular anymore, I eventually got a hold of the game for the first time and actually owning it. And it was it was because one of my friends owned two copies of it oh, nice. and I said hey you've got two copies can I have one this game is worthless like you could sell it for like maybe five bucks And he's like no you can't have it so eventually he's like you know what man I can't beat Super Mario 64 uh, can you help me I said yeah I'll help you can I have one of the game copies <laughs> and eventually it was a it was a nice little trade deal so um, lots of fun playing goldeneye growing up yeah, those are my memories for the most part.
0: Yeah, I think it's just so funny how iconic this game was considering how much of a joke movie games and licensed games generally are. And like, yeah, some of the 007 games were were good on GameCube. I played a lot of Nightfire. Um, yeah, but it's just it's so funny that this licensed movie game is one of the the best games of so many people's memories. True. True. You're you're right. Uh,
1: That's such a rare thing where a movie title would become a a good game, Mm -hmm. like an actual good game. I'm going to go ahead and talk about it and give (laughs) you some details as to why it's such a good game. So GoldenEye 007 on the N64 it was released on august 23rd 1997 in japan following the typical pattern of japanese releases being earlier and then uh, august 25th everywhere else so just a couple days later uh, it was a first person shooter which is uh, well an fps if you don't know what that is it stands for first person shooter and although the first person shooter was a super popular genre at the time mm-hmm. uh, mostly on pc Basically, GoldenEye became a game that set the standard for many, or no, every uh, first person shooter to come after it. Uh, because it was not only one of the first ones on console, but the style of it, the controls, and everything about the game was just considered so good that everyone decided to replicate that from then on out, to copy yeah. it, and to use that for uh, subsequent first person shooters. So ultimately became the third best-selling N64 game ever at just over 8 million copies sold, which was just behind so, uh, Super Mario 64 and Mario Kart 64. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was a huge, huge success. And a lot of people were reported to have bought N64s for GoldenEye.
0: Oh, really? I hey, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so... Um, and again, it was a console game until now. First-person shooters dominated the um, PC world, but GoldenEye was like, ah, "We can do this really good on console." And a yeah. lot of people didn't didn't uh, think con- the consoles were a good medium for first-person shooters, but GoldenEye changed that. And it was mainly the multiplayer that did this. True, uh, people fell in love with um, GoldenEye's multiplayer. So. That's one of those things like the menu music at least brings back a lot of memories of sleepovers for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That iconic menu music. Sure. So uh development for GoldenEye started in nineteen ninety-five, right after the movie Goldeneye came out. Right. So that was a James Bond movie that came out in nineteen ninety-five and it lasted for a couple of years. And because of that people were skeptical about the success of the game because there were already new James Bond movies coming out and being planned. When this game was being based on a movie that came out two years prior, people were a little bit uh, iffy about that. Yeah,
0: that'd be unheard of now. Normally, a a movie tie-in game comes out when it when the movie goes into theaters. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. This is such a different
1: culture where you can just crank out video games so much faster. At least technology in mm-hmm. media. But back then, it was a little bit more of a a trial, but it was originally planned as a 2D side scroller and i can't even imagine the idea of that happening
0: <laughs> yeah well so i was thinking about that cuz it was the originally planned for the super nintendo and yeah. they were i mean i trust rare and it would be pre-rendered like donkey kong country which you know mm-hmm. looks awesome and yeah who who knows what that would have looked like i'm sure it would have looked good and there's there's lots of good side scrolling shooters but yeah. but yeah it's hard to imagine cuz that is so Crazy different from what it ended up being, and yeah, because of competition from uh, oh I forget on rail shooters like Time Crisis I think mm-hmm. they have their first prototype of this game was an on rail shooter, mm-hmm. and then they decided well let's let people kind of explore and see you know take them off the rails see what they think and it was just way more fun. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and it, it well
1: you got to agree if it was a 2D. Uh, On rails shooter, I don't think it would have been nearly as iconic. Well, I mean, yeah, you're, yeah, you're
0: absolutely right.
1: People wouldn't have uh, remembered it for so long. Maybe. So the game itself is uh, it parallels the story of GoldenEye, 007, the movie, and each of these levels has a theme to it based around the story. And um, what made this new is all these levels were so non-linear; they were open world. Basically, you'd get the assignments and you'd have to accomplish them in whatever time you wanted with whatever resources you needed, but it would not lead you there. You had to find out how to do it yourself. So you'd just be thrown into this level and say, okay, here's what you got to do. Go do it. So because this was nonlinear, it drew praise and criticism because basically if you did everything you needed to, but then screwed up at the very end, like what you just said earlier, by shooting someone that you didn't need to, the whole thing would be ruined. And regardless of what you would have done then, you would have had to start the level over because you ruined it with just one mistake. Um, Mm -hmm. But on top of that, it's not linear. You can go wherever you want. You can do whatever you want and just kind of explore in that regard. So it drew praise and criticism for those reasons. Uh, You've got four difficulty levels, Agent, Secret Agent, 00Agent, and 007. And each one has harder and more complex things to accomplish in each level based on which one you do it. Like and different 007. objectives? Yeah, or... different objectives. They would oh. add more or add harder ones, basically, cool. or more specific ones. Yep. And 007 was, uh, a, was a mode that you could only unlock by beating the entire game on 00Agent, which okay. was difficult. I eventually did it, but it took me way too long. But it's nice because you can choose cheats and adjust the game difficulty in different aspects of each level with 00, uh, seven. 007 option. Other than that, what you do is you play the multiplayer. That's what a lot of people remember. Yeah. It was the multiplayer. So <laughs> it was it was hot seat, it was split screen. Mhm. So you choose one of the characters from a past James Bond movie and you just running around, you just run around shooting each other. Of course. And yeah, th- that's that's the <laughs> gist of it. <laughs> and people loved it mainly because of the controls mm-hmm. and how smooth it felt at the time but it pioneered things like uh, deathmatch until uh goldeneye came out there was no such thing as the deathmatch in any first person shooter really so yep that uh that was pioneered by goldeneye and although um there were not many things that were totally pioneered by goldeneye everything that it did was just better seemingly okay. than all the other first-person shooters sure uh, like for instance you'd have location damage that was something that goldeneye was one of the first games to do what's that location damage yep. that's where like if you shoot someone in the arm oh okay they just shake it off or if you shoot someone in the leg five times they still won't die but if you shoot them in the head once they will oh yeah, wow! So- i didn't realize that existed so early Yep. That was one of those things. Uh, It also introduced realism to the genre of FPS. So until GoldenEye came out, most first-person shooters were quite non-realistic, meaning they were science fiction or based on themes that were not considered realistic, um, if that makes sense. Sure. So it also, alongside this uh, other PC game called M.D.K. it helped pioneer the scoped sniper rifle so until um those two games came out mdk and goldeneye there were really no scoped sniper sniper rifles in uh first person shooters Hmm. so that's another thing okay yeah it also helped pioneer stealth what do you mean (laughs) stealth as in not just being a run and gun running around shooting things so trying to hide from the enemy Exactly. In okay. GoldenEye, you have to you have to hide. You have to sneak a lot of times. Huh. Yep. And then, of course, the multiplayer, which everyone absolutely loved and bought Nintendo 64 consoles for. Right. Yeah. So it won a lot of Best Game of the Year awards. hmm And to this day, it's considered to be one of the best video games of all time. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot to say about GoldenEye. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, do you care if I throw a, a few more facts at you? Please do. Have at it. All right. So first off, this was only a 10-member team when this started. 10 people developing this game, eight of which had never worked on a video game before. Holy cow. Yeah. It's like, what was the 90s and in video games to where eight people out of 10 could get a job not knowing what they were doing? But because of that, it actually... Uh, ended up being pretty helpful because they had you know nothing to compare things to they were they were doing nothing but thinking outside the box right because yep they had no conception of what they should be doing and that led to you know this game being as successful and unique as it was i thought one funny uh, idea they had would be to reload by pulling out the rumble pack and popping it back in (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love it! <laughs> but that that idea did not go far. But it's just like, yeah, that's that's creative. You gotta. There's no bad ideas in brainstorming. Yeah. Um, but the the craziest thing that I found is that as iconic as the multiplayer is, it almost didn't exist. The multiplayer oh, was snap. actually developed in the last six weeks of the game's development, and came to a complete surprise to Rare and Nintendo when they're like, "Hey, we got multiplayer." And they're like, oh, you do? Because, you know, they were originally just developing the single-player game. And so this thing that it is known for almost yeah. didn't happen. It was just like an afterthought. And that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. That could have changed the course of history right there. Yeah. Uh Speaking of almost, you know, changing the course of history, it almost didn't exist, the game at all because there was a 3 month period where Nintendo just stopped giving them funding. And oh snap. That I mean that could have ended it right there, but they like hung strong and kept working on the game. And oh. I mean that'd be so discouraging to stop getting your money for 3 months. Like I I'm just surprised it exists that they finished uh-huh. it and it was cherished by millions for a long time.
1: And I'm sure people are still playing it. Oh, yeah. Even though the controls have not aged super well. <laughs> no, they did not. I don't not. think. <laughs> oh. it, it won all the awards. They were, they were probably golden awards.
0: Um, I don't know. <laughs> 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 all right. So with that, that is GoldenEye007. A great time, a great memory. Um, Jake, let's go ahead and move on to another one of my most cherished games. Oh, dang. What's the cherished game, Cameron? This game is Mm Banjo-Tooie. So Banjo-Tooie. Let's see, how should we approach this? For the most part, I got a few facts, but then... Just uh, as of last week, I, I downloaded it on Xbox and started playing through it again. So I really just want to talk about all these observations I wrote down while I was playing it. Mm. So before we do that, I just want you to, uh, to recollect what, what were your memories of this game?
1: My memories of this game are primarily from playing with you, to be honest, Okay. growing up, because you were the one who introduced me ultimately to Banjo-Kazooie banjo tooie which i didn't buy until way 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 later but i just always played it with you uh i remember the multiplayer i'd say more than anything because banjo tooie's got a great multiplayer it really does yeah and i remember how big this game seemed, like abnormally big for an n64 game like the Mm -hmm. levels were extremely spread out like just huge And there were so many, and the game was just... It took forever to beat because (laughs) it was just so big. Yeah. Uh, Like, way bigger than Banjo-Kazooie, and Banjo-Kazooie was a big game.
0: True. True. I'd say the size is one of its bigger faults, but I'll I'll get to (laughs) that.
1: (laughs) But, um, Ting, that was good. What? That wasn't (laughs) a joke. Its size is one of its bigger faults. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pun. How was that a pun? pun. Yeah, it was. Like a Uh, fault line? (laughs) Or... I, yeah, I it's one it. of its bigger flaws. Because so, it's a big game. Okay, whatever. Okay. I.
0: Oh, your puns, Jake.
1: Move on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, uh, also, it was really fun to transform into things because the transformed characters in this game are more fun than in Banjo-Kazooie.
0: Yeah, they're definitely more versatile. Like, they all have something they do besides walk around or, you know. Yeah. They, they have, like, some attack that which wasn't the case in Banjo-Kazooie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were a little more functional, yeah. if you will.
1: So those are my biggest recollem- <laughs> recollections
0: <laughs> okay. of the game. So, yeah, I played this game a ton, a ton, a ton. So this it came out uh, November 20th of 2000. And if I do my math right, that would have put me in second grade. And, okay. again, <laughs> I think I was saying this a few... An episode or two ago, it's just crazy what I was capable of as an eight-year-old. <laughs> and yeah. especially playing this game again, it's like wow, I, I figured this out. I did this, I beat this <laughs> mini game. Like, that's really impressive that I did that. But it was it had some pretty difficult things. It has a lot okay. of boss fights, but in particular, just like the first game, Grunty at the end is a super hard boss. And yeah. I just did not have the coordination to beat her, and I'll go into that uh, here in a minute about the controls of this game. But I just couldn't beat her. And I remember being on a Boy Scout camping trip, and there's this random kid like listing all the games he'd ever beaten, and he said Banjo Tooie, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, what? You've beaten <laughs> Banjo Tooie? How did you beat Grunty?" And for the longest time, I just could not. Until one day I came home from college, my sophomore year, got out the N sixty four and just did it. And it was so amazing to uh, to come back and beat this game twelve years later, you know. a, f- a further you know, that's more time had passed than how old I was the first time I'd played it. And wow. I was surprised because so just like Banjo kazooie it ends with a game show where you have to answer yeah. trivia questions. But uh-huh. then, in the boss fight, Grunty will ask you more trivia questions. And if you get them right, she goes easier on her attacks. And 12 years yeah. later, I was I still remembered most of the answers to her trivia questions. <laughs> and I, I just couldn't believe it. Wow. That.
1: So, y- y- that stayed with you that whole time? Yeah. You just knew right after that, like, oh, yeah, this thing about this level.
0: Yeah. That's played, also one of the things that was really difficult. Okay. So anyway, uh, first off, I wanted to uh, talk about how big this game is, like you were saying. It is more or less the same as Banjo-Kazooie in collectibles, you know, 100 notes, Mm -hmm. uh, actually fewer puzzle pieces or jiggies. There's only 90 jiggies in this compared to the 100 in Banjo-Kazooie. But it's much, much more spread out, and there's a lot more stuff you have to do to earn each one. So I wanted to look up my, my times now, granted, I was very young and bad at games, so we played games for a very long time. Um, <laughs> so, first off, I pulled out Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> um, so this is the same file that we did everything on that my whole family played on. Uh huh. It has all hundred jiggies, but only eight hundred eighty-eight notes. Surprisingly. Okay. But it has a hundred and six hours on that file, okay. which is insane. Because yeah. I just I checked my Xbox file and it's only ten hours. But oh, granted, okay. I did I didn't know what I was doing going through that. Yeah, and on Banjo tooie I had seventy four out of ninety jiggies and fifty six hours in that game. Hmm. So for a little bit of comparison, again, playing through Banjo Kazooie again, a little while ago, I did it in ten hours, and that was yeah. all hundred jiggies. Uh huh, and. This run-through of Banjo-Tooie, I'm only at 38 out of 90 Jiggies, and I'm like eight hours in already. Okay. So it is lengthy, to a fault, uh, <laughs> uh, which I'm going to get to. But, all right, uh, overall, here's the story for you. Grunty's sisters, they return, or not return, they never existed before this point, but she's got these two random sisters that show up. And they levitate the rock off of her. They save her. and But now she's just a skeleton. Yeah. She looks the same, but she's just bonier. And <laughs> she she throws a blast at your house. She kills Bottles, which is super dark. So Bottles yes. comes out of the house burnt as a crisp, falls over, and then his little angel floats out. And you can talk mm-hmm. to his angel. But I remember playing that in Target. It's like, whoa, whoa. whoa. Bottles is dead? Like, what happened? Why is this place wrecked? Dun-dun. <laughs> anyway, and then, so her and her sisters, they have the Bob. The B-O-B. Do you remember what that yeah. stands for?
1: I remember that it was a machine,
0: but I don't remember <laughs> what it stood for. <laughs> it's the Big O' Blaster. <laughs> and the Big O' Blasters is used to steal people's life force to give Grunty a new body. So she beams it down and hits King Jingling. And he becomes a zombie, but she can't hit the whole island until it's charged up just long enough for you to beat the game. That's how long it takes her to charge that. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's the story. So let me go ahead and I'm going to throw uh, just a few facts at you and then dive into everything I observed while playing through it again. Hmm. So cool beans. First off, this game only has 90 Jiggies, not 100, and that is because initially, Cauldron Keep, the last level where you fight Grunty, was supposed to be a full level and would have had 10 Jiggies, but they ran out of time and just made it what it is. Hmm. There's actually not a ton of Japanese differences here. One of the big ones, as we talked about in the Banjo-Kazooie episode, is rhyming is not a thing. In Japan, and Jamjar, the mole that teaches you all of your moves, he rhymes everything he says. He's got yeah. a little, you know, a marching rhythm as he tells you your new moves. And so they they didn't try to fix that at all. So like I was saying with Grunty in the first one, they kind of they gave her a tick, they made her hold words longer, and they still made her speech unique. They did not do that for Jamjar. He just speaks straight normal Japanese. Hmm and then another fun one is at the end of the game everyone is like playing hacky sack with grunty's head talking yeah. congratulating each other talking about banjo 3e which sadly doesn't exist but they're kicking around her head uh in japan disembodiment like that does not fly so they're kicking around a bag that has her head in it so you just see the bag being kicked around oh huh <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> But here's the coolest thing. So I was playing it on Xbox, and on Xbox, guess what they put back into these games? Nothing's coming to mind. Stop and swap. They put stop ah. and swap into this. So after I had my save on banjo Tui, I could go back to Banjo-Kazooie, and all those secret unlockables were there. So Whoa. after all this time, I got to go in and get the ice key. I got to go in and find all these mystery eggs. And see new parts of banjo kazoo I would never seen before, all this wow. time later, and it was so cool. That Jeez, I got to that do is that. pretty cool, huh?
1: Yeah, that's 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 awesome. So, like, what what happens? Well, do do you, do you get cheat codes or do you unlock things or do you okay. just get
0: to see new places? So, yes, you get to see new places, and you find these eggs. So. What they do so originally once they they put these stop and swap features in but then nintendo says no you can't do that so they hid these little banjo kazooie cartridges these little hmm. cartridges with googly eyes on them in banjo Tui. you would find them and attack them and they would unlock those stop and swap awards okay now this time if you find those cartridges they just give you kind of like an achievement and nothing else oh so now you take these eggs to this little chicken who hatches them for you in Banjo-Tooie, and you get uh, a few cheat codes. One is like uh, your eggs home in on enemies, which is super helpful on boss fights. Okay. Um, You get this fun attack where you just yank Kazooie out of your bag and slam her on the ground. Um, There's a couple couple other things, as well as the ice key, which you uh, use to get the Mega Globo, And then you can turn Kazooie into a green dragon yeah. instead of, you know, the bird that she is. So I had all of that on the N64 because I found those cartridges. But Uh it's just really cool to find those. So I found the cartridges playing Banjo-Kazooie and then they didn't do anything. I was super confused. And then I talked Uh to the the chicken and she's like, oh, you need to go back and play Banjo-Kazooie and unlock stuff. It's like, oh, that's so cool. So now, let's go over my observations about this game. Cool beans. Some are just facts. Some are things that made me very mad. And some things I liked. So let's dive in. First off, Banjo's voice, especially his jumping and sound effects, is much deeper. He is, he's grown up in the two years. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> here, I'll put in the sound clip. Here's Banjo jumping in Banjo-Kazooie 1. And then here it is in Banjo-Tooie. Drastically different, yet still very Banjo. (laughs) (laughs) He's seen things. Yeah. (laughs) He has seen things. He's seen some dark things. Um, All right. So uh, one thing I really like at the beginning of this game is you remember all of your moves you learned in the first game. And that's always one of my biggest pet peeves in a sequel so where they take hmm. everything away again, and you got to, like, relearn things. And so in this one, you don't have to. You just learn a whole bunch of new moves. And there's a lot of new moves to learn in this game. I was surprised how much stuff they packed in here. Uh, some of them, I thought, were really pointless. Like, you eventually learn a move to split Banjo and Kazooie and, and play them separately. And okay, neither of them have an attack the first time you play as them. And you have to go learn just... Their standard B attack. It's just like, yeah. oh, that's filler. Like, why can't you just have them already attack? They they can attack together, but not by themselves. That doesn't make any sense. Mm. So some of the moves are pointless, but there's a lot, and it's fun to find them all. Okay. Okay, so this next one, the game is significantly bigger, like really, really big, and it's one of its biggest flaws and if you look up any like critiques on this game, they're probably all going to say something very similar. Mm. And so I I was wondering how much did Donkey Kong 64 uh, influence that? Yeah. Donkey Kong 64 came out pretty much exactly a year before it in November of 1999. So I wonder how much, you know, at that point they were probably already working on Banjo-Tooie so they probably couldn't use too much of the criticism from Donkey Kong about Mm. their level size but specifically the first two levels I'd say there's not a lot in like the main area like so the first one is Mayahem or Mayahem temple and there's just doors that take you to other places but the worst the worst 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 is Glitter Gulch Mine which Uh is the second level and it's this huge sprawling mine, but there's almost no jiggies to collect in the main hub. It almost It's like this, this level is just a hub for other little smaller levels. It's just a whole uh, bunch of doorways and tunnels you have to walk through. And yep. the rest is just pointless traversal. But I did really like that they put in um, these little warp pads on the ground. So you can uh-huh. warp to all these like all the main places you need to get to so decent fast travel and i really like this is one of the coolest things is that the levels themselves are interconnected do you remember that how yes yep usually there's at least one spot in each level that is going to lead you to a different level without going into the hub world and i just really like that It made it made things feel more alive more Mm -hmm. legit and uh That was cool. All right. So, my next big one my I said meh. Every so every level (laughs) has a transformation, as we said. Some of them are fun, but a lot of them they just really they kind of felt shoehorned in just Hmm. to exist and to add to your backtracking. This has this game has some of the most tedious terrible backtracking i have ever experienced Mm. and some of the like the first one that i I really remember is in glitter gulch mine you turn into just like a dynamite plunger yep and you just hop around and you're trying to find tnt to blow up there's this part where you you come in the level and you don't have the ability to to break big rocks yet so you Mm -hmm. go find that power then you go like break a rock and then go into that room we just unlocked and then there's just something you have to blow up with the TNT. It's like okay great so now I gotta go. Yeah. I just opened this room and now I have to yep. go back and then hop back as a TNT plunger, blow it up then go back again, go, go be Banjo so I can run through it yep. and that that's not even the worst I actually wrote like two of them down <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh no I wrote three of them down that really, I really hated so first off Witchy World. Witchy World is awesome. I love that level so (laughs) much. It's this whole like theme park, kind of centered around Grunty. Actually, it's not really centered around her. It's just called Witchy World, but it's got like a space area, cowboy area, haunted area, and it's just. I like how segmented it is and how fun it is to explore each zone. But oh my gosh, so. Here's a terrible backtracking description for you. So when you come in, you can blow open Area 51 with your egg grenades. Then you have to go get Mumbo. Oh, yeah. You get to play as Mumbo in this game, which is cool. Yeah. (laughs) You have to run back to Area 51 and then turn on the power using Mumbo. And that opens up this little bumper cars arena. And I... Suppose I could have run into the arena as Mumbo, but why would I? His job was complete. So I go back, turn back into Banjo, run back all the way to the bumper cars arena, go into it and realize, oh, I can't turn it on unless I'm the money truck and deposit the money. So I run out, go turn into a truck, drive back, deposit the money, drive back, turn back into Banjo, run back, and then can finally do it. Like It's like, what did that add to the game Jeez. like how Time. was that fun why why couldn't I just play the game as mumbo like it's uh-huh. just it's just a different character model sitting in a bumper car who cares uh-huh. here's another good wow. one wow uh, Him Temple there is a honeycomb like the uh, you know that raises your life mm-hmm. hidden at the at the entrance and you can really only see it as you're leaving the level so yep. I was leaving the level, and I see it in front of me. It's like, oh, there's a honeycomb. But I have to go turn back into the little banjo golem, little stone golem, to fit in there. So go turn into the golem, run back, get the honeycomb. But then I can't just leave. In Banjo-Kazooie 1, you can leave a level transformed, and then you would eventually turn back into banjo. But this is like, no, yeah. you can't leave transformed. So it's like, why? And so I'd have to go back, transform back into banjo just to leave. And yikes! Drove me crazy, crazy, crazy. But that wasn't even the worst one. Oh gosh, what's the worst one? Here's the worst one. one. This is where I pretty much quit replaying the game because I just got sick of it. Step. This is a very long process to get one jiggy. So in step one, there is a dinosaur hidden in Witchy World, which is fine. You you save the dinosaur. She runs to the train, and then she's going to wait on the train so she can go to Pterodactyl Land, which you're not going to unlock for, like, two more levels. Eventually, you get to Pterodactyland. you run to her house, and then they're like, oh, thanks for returning this one, but my two other kids, one is very small, and one is sick. It's like, okay, so you have to go get Mumbo, and you come back and use his magic to grow the little one to be big again, but you can't heal the sick one for some reason, so you run back, become Banjo, and then you have to Run back as Banjo, separate from Kazooie, put the sick one in your backpack, leave, go to the train station, put the sick one on the train, and then run Kazooie to the train, and then drive the train to Ilo Hags, where there is a, another Mumbo near that train station. Get out, go get Mumbo, and then heal, heal that sick dinosaur on the train there. It's like, what?! oh that seems way too much why did i have to heal him there and then Uh (laughs) run mumbo back get banjo go back to the train drive it back to pterodactyl land and then finally you can get your jiggy and again like i was saying like what does that add to the game that frustration that is not fun by any means it's just tedious time wasting yeah. And it kind of really soured my experience replaying this because again, as a kid, you don't really notice that. You just do it. Without yeah. a lot of thought. But now it's just like, oh my gosh, my time is worth so much more than this. Yeah. Doing this over and over again. Shoot, well, just a just a bummer.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that yeah, that's that seems like too much. At least there's still some positive <laughs> things yeah, to say about I mean, it.
0: Overall, it's still it's a good feeling game. I really like, uh, maybe not all of Ilo Hags, but I really like Jinjo Village and the theme song that plays there. So that's like kind of the main little hub world that you first enter and it's got uh-huh. all of these colored Jinjo houses Yeah, and they've all gone missing. And so that's one thing I like is that all the Jinjos are spread across the whole game. There's not yeah. any, there's not like five per level, like in the first game uh-huh. and you can find... They're actually randomized each time you play the game. Uh-huh. So where I find a red Jean-Joe, you might find a blue Jean-Joe. Mm-hmm. And they all have a set family number. So like the white one, there's actually only one white one in the game. So once you find him, you get a Jiggy. But maybe yep. there's like seven orange ones. And once you find yeah. all them, you get one. And it's cool just to go back and then see all their houses filled up with all the jean So I like that. <laughs> Also, there's a lot of mini games in this, uh-huh. a lot, and some of them are great, and even it has this shoehorned first-person shooter type game, which I guess mm-hmm. they you know, are coming off uh, successfully making GoldenEye, so they're like, let's put <laughs> first-person shooter in Banjo Kazooie, <laughs> where you use Kazooie as your gun and shoot eggs, and it actually worked pretty well playing it on Xbox, having uh-huh. the second analog stick. Yep. Being pretty smooth. But overall, the aiming in this game is garbage, garbage, garbage. <laughs> there is there is actually so much that relies on aiming from entering cheat codes to doing the first person shooter sections to a lot. There's a boss fight where you have to fly and shoot while you're flying uh-huh. and an underwater part where you got to shoot while you're swimming underwater. And when you go into first-person view, it puts a little reticle in the center of your screen. Yeah. This thing does not move like a normal shooter. It, oh, gosh. it locks, I remember this. It locks in on the center. And so anytime you let go of the stick, it jumps right back to center. Uh-huh. And it's really hard to precisely aim anywhere <laughs> at all. Yeah.
1: I remember this. It it's, is frustrating. It's
0: super sensitive. And you got to hold it like a feather to get it just where you want it. And uh-huh. that makes some of these mini games so stinking hard to play. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, because of this, they changed up the flying and swimming controls in this game. Hmm. Because normally, I play games like shooters standard, whatever the default controls are. I know you're a weirdo and you invert your Y axis, correct? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so you'd actually probably be good at this game, but I think and with a shooter, controls are fine. But then when you're flying and swimming, I prefer it to be inverted. Because okay. when you think about it, if you're flying a helicopter, right, to go towards the ground, you're going to lean forward, right? You're going to point forward to go down. You're going to pull yeah. back to go up. And I think that makes sense. But in this, they flipped it. So pointing uh. up, swims up, pointing down, swims down. Because they, I guess they wanted to keep it in line with aiming, once you've flipped into first-person view. Because I guess that would be a little more confusing if then all of a sudden the axes flipped once you went into that first-person view. But like this is the opposite of the controls in Banjo-Kazooie 1.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. They they had the standard flying and swimming controls, like I just described. But then they flipped it in this. So I found myself constantly uh, flipping the Y-axis in the most comfortable way, but then I would just end up confusing myself and doing it wrong, even when I had it set to the most comfortable. It was just a mess, and I just hated that they made aiming so important to this game, and that's yeah. actually why uh, Grunty was so hard for me as a kid is I, because she's sitting up on top of a bulldozer yep. that you have to aim up at, but every time you let go, it tries to center back down, So you just have to Uh like flick the control up at her while also trying to strafe on an N64 controller. And it's a mess. I feel like (laughs) all I'm doing is complaining (laughs) because those complaints stick out the most. I still had fun replaying it. Um, I've been going on for a while. So let me go ahead and wrap this up. (laughs) Uh, A few more things I noticed. Uh, So first off, Bottles, his house is right across the entrance from King Jingling's palace. Okay. And when you go to Bottle's house, everyone knows you, the kids, the wife, they know who you are. But when you go meet Jingling, it is the first time you've ever been there. It's (laughs) like, what? This is, how is this the first time you've been here when you've clearly met his family before? (laughs) I just thought that was funny. little plot hole. One thing I was disappointed with, I felt like, uh grunty's presence in this game is not as strongly felt as it is in the first game mm. because in the first game she's constantly popping up and harassing you yes. as you play uh-huh. and not so much this time and and even in the first game when you got a game over you'd see that cutscene where yeah. she where she wins there's there's uh-huh. no cutscene in this you just don't really see her again till the end of the game uh-huh and yeah, uh, that's kind of a bummer because she's she's a great villain. She's hilarious, but <laughs> just not strong in this. Uh, another fact that I noticed first off this game, other than the witches, you could say are technically human. It's mostly animals and non-humans. Yeah, I guess there's Captain Black Eye in the tavern. There's um, Humba But exactly. Humba Wumba is the only human, but also Humba Wumba. That is so inappropriate. Like, yeah. it is the most cliche Native American stereotype. It and really is. Maybe because this was made by Brits, it was not of a sense. It wasn't a super sensitive issue to them to think uh-huh. about. Yep. But, yeah, this, you walk into her wigwam and there's, like, the the, the smoke and the vapors kind of whispering around and the, yep. the tribal music. Even the way she talks. (laughs) Even the way she talks. I was like, oh my gosh, this would not fly today. And I kind of feel bad for being here. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, no kidding. It is
1: a bit culturally insensitive.
0: Yeah, or appropriative or whatever it is. Yep. (laughs) Um, And that was probably a bad thing to end it on, but that was the last thing I wrote down. (laughs) Gotcha. So no no disrespect in anything I, I said if it came across insensitively. That was not my intention. But there's...
1: A lot of positivity to this game, too. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it a lot.
0: Yeah, it's super upbeat and fun other than some painful backtracking. they yep. There's certainly a lot less collectibles in it. They even really got rid of all the musical notes and just mm-hmm. put them in little nests of five. Yep. So each one you hit is five, and then there's a treble clef worth 20. So not a lot to find, and they're actually super easy to find. I, I hit a all 100 in each level without even trying. Okay. I feel like I've just been rambling for for 20 minutes, but <laughs> I was just so excited to to boot this back up and and still have fun playing it. Again, I highly recommend playing this on Xbox because as I got out my N64 today to check those uh the, the times on those save files, mm. it just it looked so fuzzy and garbage on my 4k tv yeah they really fixed it on xbox where it's sure i mean the graphics aren't great but it's very clean yeah it works for your tv much better Mm -hmm. so i i can't recommend it highly enough especially just to go back and experience stop and swap yep because it's it's cool to be like oh my gosh this key that was locked behind this this ice wall just out of reach forever is now broken and I can go get that key. And that was just so satisfying to do that. That legendary key. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm
1: glad that you were able to enjoy that again in a, in yes. a new way.
0: Yes. That's and, awesome. And thank you for letting me just go on about it.
1: Of course. You seem <laughs> passionate about it. That's great. That's All awesome.
0: Right. So that is it. That is Goldeneye and that is Banjo Tooie two awesome games both made by rare because rare really had quite the impression on the n64 back in the day yes and it's been great to talk about it so jake i believe that is that's it for the n64 games that that we're going to talk about yep that is it so with that we have one more episode coming up about the n64 uh, that i think we're we're both pretty excited about we'll have some fun with um, but that will be our N64 finale before we move on to uh, the next era of cherished memories. So uh, stick around. Thank you again as always for listening. We love We love doing this and uh, having people message us and about, oh, I didn't know that about that game and just getting to share this with you guys and having an awesome way for us to stay connected. Well Jakes in Japan.
1: Indeed. It's been wonderful so far.
0: I'm enjoying it, and I'm glad everyone else is, too. (laughs) Good. So, as always, email us at regionunlockedpodcast at gmail.com. But other than that, my name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. Have an awesome, nerdy week, my friends. Sayonara.